לקוטי סיכס חלק י"ט, פרשת שפטים סיכי גימל. In this week's Torah portion, as we continue to hear Moshe's last words of guidance to the nation, this week on leadership, on the leadership of judges, kings, prophets, and kohanim, priests, in Pasuk Tesla Vov, in verse 15, in Perak Yudches, the 18th chapter, Moshe instructs the nation regarding a Novi, a prophet, and says, Novi mekir becha, meachecha, kamoini, yokim lecha Hashem elekecha. Hashem will put in place a prophet from among you, from your brothers, like me, just as I am. A love tishmu'un, heed his word. Regarding this mitzvah and the commandment, heed his word, the Rambam Maimonides states in the section of positive mitzvahs in his Mishnah Torah that this is a commandment to heed the call of the Prophet in each generation. In Hilchas Yisaydi HaTorah, in the laws governing the fundamentals, the foundation of Torah, in the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam writes that we do not believe any prophet who arises after Moshe, our teacher, only because of the wonders he performs. Rather, we believe him because it's a mitzvah to do so as we were commanded by Moshe, who said, if he performs a wonder, Elav Tishmu'un, listen to him. Clearly, it's not the miracle or the wonder that he performs that causes us to believe in him because a wizard or a sorcerer can perform a wonder. So it turns out that even if you knew absolutely that the wonder, wonders performed were not wizardry and that this is a true and not a false prophet, your obligation to abide by his word would be required because the words of a prophet are the word of God. This is the commandment received from Moshe. And yet, we know, regarding mitzvahs which were given before Matan Torah, like the mitzvah Brismila, their current fulfillment isn't because, as the Rambam teaches, as Maimonides teaches in his commentary, on Mishnah Chulin, we receive this from the prophets or our forefathers' teachings, but rather because Hashem commanded us in the performance of these mitzvahs through Moshe Rabbeinu. This would then be the same regarding that which God commanded us through prophets after Matan Torah, after we stood at Sinai and received the mitzvahs through Moshe. Their words too, in other words, those prophets after Sinai, don't have the same validity or strength as the mitzvahs commanded at Sinai. It's like we understand regarding the awesome thunder and lightning at Sinai during the giving of the Torah. These signs were not what motivated our belief because that would then mean that Moshe's prophecy Moshe's words were heeded because of the signs. Rather, it's the Sinaiic event of God 
appearing, descending on the mountain in a dense cloud, and Moshe stepping into the Arafel, the thick cloud of darkness where God's presence was, and the nation hearing God speaking to Moshe, witnessing Moshe entering the Arafel, and hearing God speaking to Moshe that motivated our eternal faith in him, in Moshe. Which is specifically why Maimonides highlights Misinai HaMitzvah Shetziva Moshe Batayra because of the commandment that Moshe commands in the Torah, therefore heed his words, the words of a prophet. It's the mitzvah in the Torah reality that gives unique validity and strength, which the words of a prophet do not have. Hence, the halachic implications in the fundamental difference between the words of Torah and the words of the prophets. This, however, the fact that we heed the words of a prophet because it was so commanded in Torah and not because of the prophet himself makes the continuation of the Rambam's teachings in Yesoide HaTorah in chapter 8 difficult to understand. There, Maimonides elaborates and explains that we did not believe in the prophecy of Moshe, our master, because of the miracles he wrought, because one who believes because of wonders, there are shortcomings in his faith. Rather, the belief was because of what our own eyes saw at the event at Sinai, and not what someone else saw. But we ourselves and none other heard what took place at Sinai. The Rambam then concludes the chapter saying, Lefichach, therefore, im amad hanavi va'asa oisais umayfsim gedolim, ubikesh lahachish nevuasay shal Moshe Rabbeinu. If a prophet arises and attempts to dispute Moshe's prophecy by performing great signs and wonders, we should not listen to him, because he certainly did these things with sorcery and wizardry. And we deduce this because Moshe's prophecy is not dependent on wonders that we can compare and evaluate what we saw versus what someone else saw, because we saw Moshe's prophecy with our own eyes and heard with our own ears. It would seem that as our belief and adherence to the words of a true prophet is based on the strength of a Torah commandment, a love tishmun, heed his words, as Moshe tells the nation in our verse, and not because we are sure, which we may be, that his words are dvar Hashem, the word of God, it should be this that the Rambam should be stating, in his halachic work, Yad HaChazaka. As a halachic work, it's certainly more apropos than intellectual or philosophical proof regarding why, if a prophet seeks to deny the prophecy of Moshe, he is a false prophet, coming as he does with signs and wonders to deny what you saw with your own eyes. This proof would better suit the Rambam's work, the Meir Nevuchim, the Guide for the Perplexed, where Maimonides sets out to reconcile 
the Torah, and philosophy. It would also seem that Maimonides could have more brief, been more brief in his treatment of this law, saying that we adhere to the word of a prophet, not because of the wonders he performs, but because it's a mitzvah that Moshe commanded in Torah. And this is so, even if we don't really know whether the wonders are true or performed by magic and sorcery. And if a prophet does perform great wonders, but seeks to deny the prophecy of Moshe, thereby denying the truth of Torah, then even if he comes with convincing signs, don't listen and don't follow him. There's even more here that needs clarification. In the chapter following this one, in chapter 9, Maimonides connects Torah in toto and Moshe's prophecy, saying, if one says God sent him to add a mitzvah or to cancel a mitzvah or to explain a mitzvah different to the tradition of Moshe Rabbeinu, or he claims that the mitzvahs that we were commanded to do are not forever or for every generation, that they're for a limited time, know that he is a false prophet who has come to deny the prophecy of Moshe. And then Maimonides says the same thing at the end of chapter 9, that if someone comes and says God commanded him to serve false gods for a temporary amount of time, he is trying to deny the prophecy of Moshe. But he isn't just about denying the prophecy of Moshe. It's the commandment in Torah to neither add nor detract from a mitzvah that this false prophet is seeking to deny. This is a unique category of heresy and much worse than denying the prophecy of Moshe because the commandments or prophecies that are not from Sinai, including Moshe's, as we said earlier, don't have the validity and strength of those given at Sinai. So why doesn't the Rambam say so? Perhaps, and only perhaps, we can explain this by saying that the Rambam says he is denying Moshe's prophecy and doesn't say he's denying Torah because he thereby is providing the proof that we are dealing with a false prophet who should be perceived as he taught a chapter earlier that Moshe's prophecy and our belief in him isn't based on the wonders and signs he performed, but rather our own eyes witnessed Hashem speaking to Moshe. And so one who seeks to deny Moshe's prophecy is denying what our very own eyes witnessed. This means that if the Rambam was addressing only the seriousness of false prophecy, claiming that God of, the, of a falsely prophesizing prophet, claiming that God sent him to add a mitzvah, etc., then the Rambam would have said that this person was coming to deny Torah. But if saying this, the Rambam wants to give a reason as to what makes him a false prophet and the relevant laws, he would then say, as he does, that the false prophets come to deny the prophecy of Moshe. This answer, though, is really a stretch, because we already know from the chapter before 
that one who prophesied falsely, denying Moshe's prophecy, is lying about something we ourselves saw and heard, and of course is denying Torah, and this is exactly why he is a false prophet. So in this chapter, to emphasize the severity of the consequences for a false prophet, shouldn't the Rambam say that he is prophesizing falsely with the intention of denying Torah? This is more puzzling yet. We see that the Rambam does in fact use the term to deny Torah in the very next chapter. The Rambam states quite clearly, if he nullifies a concept which was transmitted in the oral Torah, or says that Hashem told him to render this and this judgment on a Torah law, or that in a particular situation, this would be the law and not as it was till then understood. And these are all contrary to Torah as it was given by God. He's a false prophet and his intention is to deny Torah with his wonders. For Torah is not about wonders. In fact, the Torah tells us, Loi basomayim he, more specifically, a prophet cannot come and change Torah law. So where does Maimonides draw this distinction between what is considered denying the prophecy of Moshe and denying Torah regarding a false prophet who seeks to add a mitzvah or cancel a mitzvah or suggests that the mitzvahs aren't eternal, only temporary, or, and if he says, let's serve false idols, the Rambam says he is denying the prophecy of Moshe. But when he speaks of a prophet nullifying a concept in the oral tradition, or says Hashem told him to render such and such a judgment on a certain mitzvah in a certain situation, the Rambam then says he's doing so to deny Torah. More than that, the Rambam begins this chapter, chapter 9, saying, it is clear and explicit in the Torah that it is God's commandment remaining forever without change, addition, or diminishment. As the Torah teaches us in Dvarim, all these matters which I command to you, you shall be careful to perform. You may not add to it or diminish from it. And the Torah states, what is revealed is for us and our children forever. La'asais is called divrei ha-Torah To carry out all the words of this Torah. This teaches that we are commanded to fulfill all the Torah's directives forever. It is also said, it is an everlasting statute for all your generations. And again, quoting from Devarim, Loi Bashamayim he, it's not in the heavens. This teaches that a prophet can no longer add a new precept to Torah. So, regarding one who claims that God sent him to explain a mitzvah in a very different way or in a way different, to the tradition received from Moshe, 
which the Rambam then says is denying the prophecy of Moshe, is in fact seemingly denying the words of Torah, which tell us, It's not in the purview of a prophet to prophesize, which is from the heavens, a new halacha. He cannot teach or add something new, a new precept in Torah. The very same verse that one who would say God, say God told him to render such and such a judgment regarding a Torah law is considered, according to the Rambam, now denying Torah. If they both deny the same verse in Torah, why differentiate between them, determining, as the Rambam does, that a false prophet who says Hashem sent him to explain something different to the tradition of Moshe is denying the prophecy of Moshe, and someone who says God commanded that the law is so and so regarding a certain mitzvah, essentially changing it is denying Torah. Now at the end of this chapter, the Rambam teaches that there are times and circumstances, like if a Novi says for a limited period of time a particular course of behavior should be followed, he should be listened to as a true prophet. Then the Rambam teaches that this applies to all mitzvahs except for if he tries to influence the nation in idol worship even for a limited time. The Rambam quotes the Torah in Dvarim and says, if a sign or miracle is performed, and he then says, let's serve false gods, don't listen to his words. And the Rambam concludes, he is coming to deny the prophecy of Moshe, and he is a false prophet, and everything he did was through sorcery, and he's deserving of execution. This can perhaps be explained by prefacing that which the Sifri teaches on the verse, or rather the verses, Psukim, Yud Ches and Yud Tes, 18 and 19, in our portion, in our chapter. Moshe says, Hashem said to me, I will set up a prophet for them from among their brothers like you, Vediber Alehim, and he will speak to them all that I command him. The Sifri explains Vediber Alehim, who will speak to them to mean that like Moshe's words had to be heard directly, he will speak to them directly and not through an interpreter or a second party. The Torah then states that Hashem says that one who fails to heed the words the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call to account. He will be deserving of death by God's hands. And so, as applied to our discussion, the law that one who transgresses the word of the prophet is deserving of death, meted out by heaven, is specific to when he has heard the teaching of the prophet directly and not through an interpreter or a second individual. The Raghachavar adds to this and says, even when a person has heard the prophecy directly from the Navi, it would only be if they did not heed what they heard at the time that he was actually 
giving over prophecy, would he be deserving of death meted out by heaven? Hearing the prophecy from the Navi, but not at the moment of prophecy, would be like hearing it through an interpreter or a second party. Accordingly, we could say that if someone in Moshe's generation transgressed a commandment that he heard from Moshe, there is a distinction made if he transgressed and served Avedis Zarah, or if it was a transgression with a different commandment. Why? The first two dibres, the first two of the Ten Commandments, which incorporate not worshipping foreign deities, was said by Moshe as he prophesied the word of God to the nation. And so this transgression would be on the words of the prophet. But the other commandments were heard from Moshe only after. God spoke to him, but because they could not tolerate the voice of God, it is considered as Moshe giving these other mitzvahs, other dibres, over to the nation after the prophetic experience. And thus these mitzvahs don't have the same obligation and consequence of transgressing the word of the prophet even in Moshe's lifetime. This would explain the distinction that Rambam makes regarding a false prophet, suggesting that they should serve false gods. Well, this is denying the prophecy of Moshe, and that Rambam alludes to the unique aspect of a prophecy heard directly from Moshe while he was prophesying or receiving prophecy in addition to this being a transgression of Torah, like all transgressions. And this transgression is deserving of death as meted out by heaven. And as this is relevant only to idol worship, Maimonides says this only when he talks about a false prophet saying, God commanded me to worship false idols only on this day and at this time, at the end of of chapter 9 in this portion of the Rambam. But regarding a false prophet who nullifies a concept which was transmitted by the oral tradition, the Rambam says he is denying Torah. We still have a question. Why at the beginning of this chapter, when it's not a matter of Avedizara, that does not that's not what the Novi Sheker, the false prophet, is trying to convince the nation of. The Rambam says he's coming to deny Moshe's prophecy. Also, this explanation that by saying he's denying the prophecy of Moshe, the Rambam's intention is to allude to death, the punishment as meted out by God in Moshe's time, is really a push. Because that was relevant only in Moshe's time. So how is it significant now? And the punishment of death meted out by God in the generation of Moshe in the desert, not connected to a Novi Sheker, to a false prophet, if someone transgressed serving a false god in their sojourn in the desert, even if he didn't say, God told me to do this, he was punished with death by the hand of heaven. So to allude to this law, if that was the Rambam's intention, he would have had to do so when he deals with the laws of Avedizara 
idol worship and not hear when he teaches the laws of a Novi Sheker, a false prophet. This will all become clear by going back to a brief explanation of what was mentioned earlier regarding the value of mitzvahs given at Sinai and the prophecies of the prophets before and after Sinai. The Gemara in the Tractate of Shabbos teaches that the word Anoichi, which inculcates the entirety of Torah, the first word of the Ten Commandments, is an acronym for Anonafshik Savis Yahavis, which means that God, so to speak, wrote and placed his essence into Torah. And as the Medrash teaches it, through Torah, you are taking in God, which tells us that the mitzvahs in Torah are not a means to receiving reward or to achieving a level of a nation of priests and a holy people, or even to purifying the coarseness of a person. Rather, primarily, Torah itself is the goal. Just like one cannot say that God, putting himself into Torah means God is a means to something else. We can no more suggest that regarding the mitzvahs of Torah, they are a means towards a goal, as within the mitzvahs is God's essence. This is, of course, why mitzvahs are eternal, and no change is possible to the essential mitzvah, neither in adding to it or in subtracting from it. Just as there is no altering God, there is no altering a mitzvah. To put it in different words, if God's will in the mitzvahs and Torah was only for one to receive reward in their observance or to acquire an elevated spiritual status, we could then say that a change one way or another in those who observe the mitzvahs would also mean a change in the mitzvahs themselves. But as God's will in the mitzvahs and Torah is an essential desire, it is part of God's infinite will, change doesn't exist. This is true too when we talk about the value of Torah over prophecy. The ordinances via the prophets, instructions to go to a certain place or not, relegating the externals of our lives are for the purpose of reaching a specific goal or achievement. And so these instructions are time appropriate. Even instruction or commands that are warnings to ensure that we don't violate a Torah commandment, as when the prophet warns us, Zichru Torah's Moshe Avdi, remember, guard the Torah of Moshe, my servant. The intention is to ensure that Torah itself is adhered to. On the other hand, the words of Torah are the very essence of God's will, which is why a prophet has no permission and cannot add to a mitzvah or deny a mitzvah in Torah, because God's words in Torah far transcend the words of the latter prophet. Now, though the validity and strength of Torah is greater than prophecy, and it is regarding Torah that we say, it stands firmly for all eternity, as far as the human being is concerned, 
prophecy has an advantage over Torah. Torah reaches beyond creation to the very essence of divine will, which makes it eternal, but also means that its loftiness is beyond the category of creativity or creation and the limitations of human beings and their capacity to grasp its essence. Prophecy, on the other hand, which is a revelation of the divine to man, reveals the secret, the infinite, within the framework of humanists. So long as the prophet has the conditions necessary to carry that revelation into limitation, this revelation then, of course, affects and strengthens a Jew's faith in God. Accordingly, the lengthy explanation that Ambam teaches in regards to a Jew's belief in Moshe's prophecy, as per our earlier question about the Rambam speaking at great length on what seems to be philosophical rather than halachic in a book of halacha, is now understood. Because this is, in fact, halacha, Jewish law. And this halacha is comprised of two ideas. One, the faith of a Jew in Moshe's prophecy, must be with absolute strength and conviction, a complete faith that is faultless. And two, in order for one's faith to be this way, it must be predicated on what our own eyes witnessed at Sinai and not on the miracles we saw Moshe perform. In this same way that Rambam explains why we don't believe and don't follow a prophet who negates and denies the prophecy of Moshe, even if he comes up with some amazing signs and wonders, because the prophecy of Moshe isn't about signs and miracles wrought, and the comparing of this one's miracles to that one's miracles. It's not about signs and miracles at all. It's about what we saw and what we heard at Sinai. And if a prophet shows up with really big miracles, but denies the prophecy of Moshe, he's denying what we saw with our own eyes. And this isn't an explanation for why we don't follow him. It's a halacha, it's law, which also is a construct of two ideas. The absolute unequivocal level of faith must be to the point that some really amazing signs or miracles performed by a false prophet will not sway us and bring doubt to our faith. And how do we do this? Because big miracles are really influential on our psyche. So we need to consider and dialogue with ourselves in an authentic way that a miracle or a sign that someone else creates cannot deny what we saw with our own eyes. And this is just really an attempt to deny the prophecy of Moshe which we ourselves witnessed and heard. It's this absolute unbating, unbending faith. Why you just don't hear this false prophet's words who is coming to deny the prophecy of Moshe which you saw and heard at Sinai. Here's an example of how the conviction of what our eyes beheld plays out and makes a difference in halacha, in Jewish law. A witness to an event cannot serve as a judge for this event because what he witnessed leaves no room 
for the requirement in Jewish law to search for justification of a person's actions so that he can be saved from difficult judgment. This is different, of course, to what a person heard. Hearing doesn't have that same level of conviction. And it would be appropriate to say that this is exactly why Moshe's prophecy was witnessed by all at Sinai, where we actually observed and witnessed God speaking to Moshe and Moshe speaking this direct prophecy to us to give this the absolute strength of truth. The, part, the point of the prophecy of Moshe is so that we see and absorb not only God's absolute sovereignty, but also the truth of Torah, which is really beyond and transcends us. Through being witness with our own eyes and hearing with our own ears, the prophecy of Moshe, the deliverer of Torah, Torah's Moshe Avdi, we achieve a complete unflawed faith in the truth of Torah, which, is its, which in itself transcends prophecy. We should also note that this unyielding faith in Torah coming specifically through our faith in Moshe's prophecy and the experience of Moshe's prophecy is both because prophecy came to Moshe in a direct way, in the highest possible way, in a vision, not in a parable or riddle that Moshe needed to unriddle, because Moshe received prophecy, and this is the other reason, standing upright in his human wholeness, not supine nor in sleep. Therefore, Moshe's prophecy is a vessel to bring Torah, transcendent Torah, to a human being and accomplish instilling a complete faith in Torah. With this, we can also understand why in the following chapter the Rambam says that if a prophet comes along and denies a mitzvah, he is not to be believed, he is a false prophet, because he is denying the prophecy of Moshe. In this way, the Rambam is highlighting and teaching the halacha, the law, that though the prophecy of Moshe is on a lower spiritual level than Torah itself, Yet it is the prophecy of Moshe that empowers our complete faith in Torah, in an unchanging Torah, and thereby empowers our certainty that the signs or wonders this prophet may show are false. This as a result of the prophecy of Moshe specifically. According to all of this, it turns out that there is a specific explication in the order of the way that Rambam divides the chapters in his halachic work, Yesayde HaTayra, regarding prophecy. In chapter 7, the Rambam speaks about prophecy in general and then details how the prophecy of Moshe was the highest form of prophecy. Then, in connection to this lofty level of prophecy, in the next chapter, the Rambam talks about another lofty facet of Moshe's prophecy, stating, What motivated our belief in Moshe? The revelation at Sinai, which we witnessed with our own eyes and what our own ears heard. In connection to this, that Moshe's prophecy is bound up with the revelation 
at Sinai, the Rambam then says in the next chapter that this is how the prophecy of Moshe brings truth and makes resolute and strengthens our faith in the truth of Torah, which itself is loftier than prophecy because it's eternal. And prophecy or a prophet cannot change it. And therefore, if a prophet comes and says, God sent him to make changes, he is denying the prophecy of Moshe. So why then does the Rambam teach this halacha, that the false prophet is coming to deny the prophecy of Moshe, if he claims God told him to add a mitzvah, or cancel a mitzvah, or to explain a mitzvah differently to the way we traditionally have received it from Moshe, or if he says the mitzvahs are temporary and not forever, and if he tries to convince us to serve false gods, but if he nullifies a concept transmitted in the oral tradition, or says Hashem told him to render a new judgment regarding a mitzvah in Torah, the Rambam doesn't say he's denying the prophecy of Moshe, but the prophecy of God. The reason is because when a prophet says Hashem sent me to add or cancel a mitzvah or explains a mitzvah, different to the tradition we heard from Moshe, and certainly when he claims God instructed him to serve idols, his clear intention is to deny the very foundation of the Sinai experience and the revelation at Sinai when God chose Moshe and chose him to be the intermediary who would bring us the entire Torah for eternity. And since it's this experience that brings unyielding and unshakable truth and faith to a Jew who stood at Sinai and saw and heard the prophecy of Moshe, well, the false prophet is then denying the prophecy of Moshe. But someone who comes and seeks to nullify something transmitted in the oral Torah, or says Hashem told him to render a different judgment regarding a mitzvah, isn't denying the foundation of all Torah, and he is only addressing an aspect of Torah, which, according to his prophecy, should be addressed in a certain way, which may even be correct. Yet, practically, this negates the rule put in place in Torah that loy a prophet or prophecy cannot determine a law. Therefore, the Rambam doesn't say this prophet is looking to deny all of Torah. He doesn't seek to deny Nevuas Moshe, the prophecy of Moshe. He is addressing a law in Torah, not the Sinai experience in God's revelation or the truth of Torah and the revelation to Moshe, which we witnessed and we heard.